welcome to the Tech Story Podcast, where storytellers kibitz about technology that makes us go, hmm, what's that about? Now introducing your host, Doug Thompson. This week's guest is Lauren Grafe. After 25 years of a career spanning an exciting range of corporate creative roles, in December of 2019, Lauren decided she was done. She faced what she knew, the hiring and recruiting process was broken, and she set up Portfolio Rocket to solve that problem. Now sit back, relax, and let's learn about Lauren's story. Hey everybody, welcome to Tech Story. This week I've got a special guest here, Lauren Grafe. Hey, Lauren, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much, Doug. It's great to have an opportunity to talk to you and uh, talk to your audience. Well, great. Thanks a lot. And I ask all my guests this, and it's, uh, what's your favorite tech story? Story about technology. One of my favorite stories is how I met you because it really capitalized on um, something that I struggle with, which is I, by nature, am not somebody who uh, quickly embraces technology. It tends to scare me. It tends to overwhelm me with all the things that I don't know. But technology and explaining technology is something that you do. And immediately when I saw your LinkedIn post that talked about explaining, I was like, I got to meet this guy because this this is somebody who understands that not everybody embraces technology in the same light that um, people who are either on the engineering side or even, um, you know, in various, various ways, even on the design side that, um, that I focus in on. You know, I, I get, a, I get a lot of people that get that and, and some of it, those of us that aren't digital natives, as they like to say, you know, we had to learn this stuff growing up and I've always been of the mindset. It may be the male in me. I don't know, but I always like taking things apart and seeing if I can break them and then try and put them back together. So the technology thing doesn't, doesn't scare me that much. Although I, 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 you know, I understand my wife constantly thinks she's going to break something. I still struggle trying to find like, like TikTok. I still cannot figure out <laughs> how I would fit and do that. I've looked at, I've done it. I like, I just don't know, but some people just really embrace it and go with it. So I'm with you on some of those things. So what, what do you do? What's your, what's your elevator pitch? I'll give it to you in a second, but I just want to clarify. It's not that I'm afraid that I'm going to break it. What I'm afraid of is it is I'm going to get stuck in the rabbit hole. I'm going to be, I'm going to be in there for an indefinite period of time, lost, confused, and, um, you know, subsequently increasingly frustrated. So uh, sometimes it's just easier to say, oh, no, I won't do that. But um, when I do master even the smallest thing, I feel very successful. And that's so. fair. That's fair. The rabbit hole. I did a, <laughs> I was playing plumber yesterday and I don't know what we did before YouTube. You know, I, I was going in looking, okay, how do you do the X, Y, or Z? And it took me probably, I made a joke, it took me three hours and or it took me four hours to do, you know, find the information on YouTube. And really it took me 15 minutes and the other three hours and 45 minutes were watching cat videos or something like that. <laughs> Went down the rabbit hole. Um, so, <laughs> so I totally hear you on that. Good. I'm glad I'm in good company. So, so what's your elevator pitch? Now that we got the, the, the fear of technology. Yeah, now is, I, now, is now I put that aside. So what I do is, um, and I love what I do. I absolutely love it is I help designers and marketers find the 85, 80 to 85% 
of the job opportunities that are out there, not posted online, that live in the hidden job market. So how did you find this hidden job market? Well, to be very frank with you, it has been uh, visible for years. I did not invent it. I did not discover it on my own. It has been there the entire time. And other, other people have spoken about it. But as the marketplace and the employment market in particular has flipped itself dramatically from being a candidate's market to being an employer's market, it becomes a necessity. It becomes a vital alternative to what is the common practice, which is hitting the apply now button. Yeah. Uh, at, this, at this stage, what will happen is most candidates, because that's all they know, no fault of their own, will think, oh, I'm on the market. You know, here's what I need to do. I need to put my resume together and then I need to start applying online, applying online. And every time they do that, and I'm not discouraging that entirely, what they're doing is they're putting themselves in a position where there are roughly about one of 500 candidates who will move to the next level. And that can get frustrating. It gets old fast. You hear sometimes back from an employer, usually it's a form letter or some level of inhumane or just very, very kind of rote response. Mm -hmm. And then you move on, you move on. But day after day after day, that can get tiring. And it also doesn't necessarily produce the results that you're looking for. Well, I, I think you're sometimes I, fortunate now to get a response to that. Most of the time, it just goes into this computer generated doing a keyword search and a human doesn't even look at it. Exactly. So of course, on the other end of that apply now button lives this thing uh, called the applicant tracking system or ATS. And it's essentially a little filtering monster that separates out resumes and is designed to do that because no one on the back end is going to be able to sift through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of resumes. Not to mention that at this time, because there is such a glut of candidates on the market and such a shortage of posted job, jobs that, they're, that are available, those channels, that ATS channel is just loaded with mostly unqualified candidates and a few qualified candidates. And even if you are qualified, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to make it through. I offer a completely different approach. And I train and I teach designers and marketers who have a level of technical aptitude in various ways. If you are a digital marketer, yes, you are highly technical because you're using all of the digital marketing elements such as search and performance marketing and paid search to make sure that you are optimizing the traffic flow to a specific destination. And if you're on the design side, well, of course, you know, you need to make sure that your interface is going to be compatible with various levels of technology. So, so I take uh, it this sort of draws upon past experiences that you had and you sort of found that there's a nice niche oh, for this? Yeah. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> so um, I've been in the design and marketing world for a very long time, let's just say a, a quick 30 years. Uh, and in the past 10, I've worked as a recruiter placing medium level or mid-level 
senior and extremely senior C-level marketers and designers at Fortune 100, Fortune 500, agencies, global consultancies throughout the world. I'd love to learn about what people do, but equally important is ensuring that they are demonstrating their value insofar as being able to move through the interview process and aligning what it is that their values are with a specific company uh, so that there's a good match because nothing's worse than working someplace that you are just not a fit for. Yeah, I read a statistic the other day that it was uh, people, and maybe it's a podcast, it surprised me, over 50% of the people that, that left because they, you know, after they took the job because it didn't match what they thought it was. Oh, yes. Most people, and this is a proven statistic, and I, I think it's well into the 80s, uh, leave their job not from the company because of their manager. And as part of my program, we go through a pretty rigorous exercise about sniff testing to make sure that that person that you're going to be reporting into is all that. Because naturally, during the interview process, everybody's on good behavior and it's really hard to assess who's who and what's what and where the level of integrity is between what they say and who they are. It's a sales job on both sides. So, so on, the, on the company side... I'm selling the value of the company. I'm selling the value of me as a manager and what we have to get those qualified candidates interested in taking the job while still trying to find out if the you know candidate be a good fit. And the other side, I'm trying to sell myself to the company, right? And it's totally. and, and I think sometimes it does, we do put those blinders on because we we paint this picture in our head. We tell ourselves this own story, you know, based on what we read about the company or based on somebody that's told us we have a friend that works there and their experience and we start selling ourselves on that. And then you get this mismatch, right? So, cause I know we've interviewed people. The best day that they had was the day they interviewed because the person that showed up was not the person that, <laughs> that we interviewed. Exactly. <laughs> so I just want to make sure that I'm providing, uh, the end game to where this story is going since I offered up the problem, which is, you know, your one in 500 chances of actually making it through. The alternative to that is using the hidden job market, which by the way, is, it's not a magic bullet, right? So I don't want to present this idea that, oh, you know, that, that way is, you know, you apply now that's very convenient. It's easy. The hidden job market is not, not an instantaneous win, but what it does is it's more effective. And because 80 to 85% of the opportunities, jobs, whether they be freelance or otherwise are not posted, it means that you have an opportunity to navigate through, through the building of relationships. And, and, and I cannot tell you I mean, everything that I read on a regular basis still comes back to networking, 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 networking. And a dear friend of mine says, I don't want to call it networking anymore. I want to call it connecting. And taking the sting out of, yes, it is an effort. That's true. But building connections is not only powerful, it's, it's, it's how business really gets done. It really is. And that's how we met through connecting on LinkedIn. It's how I've built my business. Over 90% of my clients were previous strangers. And through 
the algorithms and through the power of LinkedIn, I was able to drive them to my profile and then convert them to become my clients. And that's been pretty exciting. And then I've built other areas within, I have a one-on-one -on -one program and I also have a group program and completed my group yesterday. And now those people are all their own collective group, far and away from me. And so that's, that's my dream, you know, is to ensure that those people are connecting with other people. And when they hear about opportunities, they immediately think, oh, I should call so-and-so and so-and-so. This person is so right for this opportunity and keeping their eyes and ears open. Yeah, so the so other benefit to that, I just want to add one more oh, thing fine. to that because it's really important, the statistic, is that somebody who takes that resume and walks it over to that particular hiring manager, that referral, however it comes in, whether it's hand-to-hand -hand or whether it's a call or whatever, is 15 times more likely to land the job. <laughs> it just makes sense. So the more people you're connected with in an authentic and genuine way in the spirit of giving and, and receiving, of course, but really to be giving first is, is effective, fun, exciting. You, you build something that's, that's there for life. No, I, and you know, I made the comment, I, I discovered this about myself or, or upon reflection about a year or so ago is that I've been successfully navigating that hidden market, like you said, unintentionally, that by building a network of people or connections, I, I, networking is like one of those words that's lost its luster, but um, you know, it's true because they, you know, something came up and they said, hey, you would be, you know, Doug would be perfect for this. And I still went through the interview loop. I mean, we got down to the final things. And that's really all of many of us ask is that we get in that bat to go find out because we may find out that we're not a good fit. The company doesn't really fit what we thought it was, but at least you're getting that at bat, right? And that greatly increases your chances. That's how I, I got those. And I've returned the favor. I said, hey, you, you'd be perfect for this. You need to, you to do these things. And it's been, it worked throughout my career. And, 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 you know, that's basically the way it's, it's, it's gone. So very powerful statement that you have. So do you have, let me ask you that. Well, there's a couple of things. One, and when I need a job is the worst time to try to do this, right? We need to start doing this while we're employed with, with may, maybe no intention of ever leaving, but you're building that network for if you do decide to go or an opportunity does come up, right? There's no bad time to start, right? There are no bad flavors of ice cream either. So uh, peppermint, I would argue with that, but peppermint is not, we put that to the okay. side. Well, for you anyway, <laughs> There is no bad time to start networking or building building your network and connecting with others. What I will say is that the runway is if you are already in a place where you either are furloughed or have been let go and you've been inactive, well, you're going to have to build a runway. You're going to have to allow it time to develop. If you are somebody who's currently employed, by all means, uh, it's only going to help you. And it's only going to help somebody else because they may need you in time. And, you know, you can't, you can't be found if you're not visible. It's, it's very hard for people to actually go seek you out when you are not top of mind, when you don't have a specific point of view that you represent. I make it very clear. I do not work with accountants and I don't work with 
you know, people who are in other industries that I don't have an expertise in. So I want to make sure that I'm attracting the right people. But as, as that um, channel and that clarification becomes more solidified, it's much easier to build that network within its appropriate, you know, guardrails. You, you talk about designers, uh, UX designers and, and marketers and stuff. Is it a, and this, this is a generalization, is, is it sort of a personality trait of people that are successful in that role that they don't do this naturally? Great question. I think to some degree, there is a bit of a resistance that I've run into. Oh, I don't want to talk about myself. I don't love networking. You know, you're asking me to do something that, that I just, you know, fundamentally think is either creepy or slimy or any of that. And so the truth of the matter is that networking is, and I know you, you, you totally, you know, subscribe to this, is not about talking about yourself. It's about the value that you can bring to others. And it's really, it is nothing to do with me. I might be a channel, but I'm there to deliver value. And as far as the breed of talent that I work with and their ability to market themselves, I think that that is one of the hardest things, regardless of what area you're in, because you're sitting in the jam jar. You're inside and it's very hard to be able to have that objectivity and distance to really be able to understand, hey, you know, I did, I, you know, led this project and, you know, here are the results that followed and the impact that it made on my company and all of that. It's very difficult to do that, even for regardless of what level you're at or, or industry that you represent. It's a, it's a challenging exercise. And designers and marketers in particular are used to marketing everybody else's product so and, or service. And so it makes it very hard when it comes back to them, because even though they're trained to do this, after all, it's easier when it's tangible and on the outside and they can you know, be strategic and be creative around that. But when it comes to them, yeah, it's definitely a hurdle. I have that challenge of myself of being able to do something because some things come easy to us or more natural to us, or we've done it so long. It's, it's like, you don't have, it's, we're unconscious about it that we just, we don't think it's important or it's unique because, well, doesn't everybody think like that? You know, I, everybody knows that. Yeah. I, I, my boss constantly tells me that some of you need to get that out of your head. I said, well, I, I don't, you know, you mean to tell me everybody doesn't, like to you know shoot videos or do these other things. I just it's just it's just natural. So yeah, and I can I can see that, and it's easy to see when you can look from the outside. You can have a three hundred and sixty degree view where from the inside it's always you got one hundred and eighty degrees. It's all this you can't see, you know the the other the other side. Absolutely, yeah. It it happens all the time. I actually take my clients through an exercise to help them understand their value by identifying the types of problems that they solve. And I call it four-way problem solving, which helps them to find how they solve this problem for their end user, for their manager, for their department, and for their company. And left to their own devices, many a time they'll come back and say, I, I, I have no results. <laughs> I have no metrics. 
you know, yeah. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I was there for six years and, and, and I don't even know what I did. And then when we start breaking it down and building a little bit of a rhythm, you're like, wow, you make me sound so good. I'm like, no, it's not me. This is what you did. It yeah. just flies under the radar and it's hard for them to actually conceptualize it and eventually be able to verbalize it within interviews. I mean, you're providing a, a great skill and, and I coach people on presentations and stuff all the time because, and it's easy for me to sort of see and try to, for me to see them and their potential and, and different things like that. I've studied that. Now that's one area where I can say I do, you know, I, I know myself pretty well, but, but it's taken a lot of exploration. It's taken a lot of, um, you know, study outside that because it's a passion of mine. Right. And so what I hear in your voice is this is that passion of, of, of yours is you like giving, like me, you like putting people in touch with their story that, mm. you know, and, and we're all, we, we, we all have a story. It's the, we're not necessarily a good, we need an autobiography, you know, or we need somebody else to write it for us to help us write it. Not necessarily that we can sort of spew it out ourselves. That's, that's a, that's hard. Very hard. The story, the story piece, you know, it's, I'm acutely aware that storytelling has become um, a a little overused, kind of like Zoom has become, become a new verb, but storytelling, what I, what I like to remind my clients about is, you know, it's selling and telling at the same time. People are, we know this, people are inclined to hear a story they don't want to be sold. They want to buy, but they don't want to be sold, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's an old adage as well. And when you're telling them a story, the key here is for them to identify. Really identification for them to see themselves a piece of that story. And it does require a level of rigorous honesty, humility, and even vulnerability. You know, I'll tell you that I was working for a very large, the largest global managing consulting company that was specializing in talent. I worked there and I was not a good fit at all. And um, I ended up resigning after about 10 months and really just hitting that major obstacle and speed bump was something that not only did I, it was very painful but I ended up being able to tell it as part of my story because what I identified in that, in that loss and in that realization was that I knew that the hiring process was broken. I knew, I've known it's been broken for years and I've been playing along trying to make sure that I fit into that and that my can, candidates and clients did as well. And at the end of the day, it was breaking my heart knowing that I would have to tell a specific candidate that I was working with in effort to place them, sorry, but my client isn't, isn't interested in moving forward with you. And now you're back in the pond. And I knew that there was a terrible, a, a terrible level of rejection, whether it was them or not. And I'm not here to, to make sure that it goes away or, it, it, you know, fix it forever, but to be able to offer other solutions and ways around that. And so you know, it happened to me, it's happened to many people and telling that piece of my story, hopefully lets people know that they are not only 
being heard and in a good place, but that they are safe to come and, and, and share that with me so that we can find a direction to lead them to further success. No, and, and that being vulnerable is, you know, that's the human part of it. That's the part where you, I, I call that opening the door so that you're, they can come in. You know, you, you've, you've opened that door. It's safe. It's, they can, they can then with empathy or picture themselves in the same thing. I've been there. I've done that. And that's, this is truly where that connection comes in. And and you mentioned it was a loss. I, you know, it's really, it's a learning experience. You learn, it's like Thomas Edison, you learn one way the light bulb wouldn't work <laughs> or that it's broken. You know, it came very clear to you in personal that, wow, this is broken and I need to do something to change that. So it's that spark. You know, it's the, you've gone down this way and it's lit the flame that obviously puts you where you are today. You know, it put, sort of puts you on that path. What's hard to be grateful for that when it happens. Though. Yeah. It, 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 at the time you look at it and it's like, wow, you, you go through the process of grieving and stuff. Cause we're all human. We have to go through that. That was, you know, I've been in a couple of roles inside Microsoft that almost got me fired because I just, you know, they weren't what they were. And I wasn't, you know, I, I, I wasn't my best. I, I wasn't in front talking to customers. I was, it was an internal facing position. And I know that's not me that I know, but I had, it took me a couple of times to go down that road to say, you know, get smacked around and, and have to really think about things and it hurts. It's painful. And, but, but it happens. And I, I appreciate your honesty in, in sharing that part of the story with that. So how, how do people get in touch with you? Absolutely. Well, the easiest way is, of course, find me on LinkedIn. I spell my name a little weird. Um, it's L-O-R-E-N and my last name, G-R-E-I-F-F. Um, and I am the founder and president of a company called Portfolio Rocket. I lead creatives and marketers create through either a 12-week program, which is one-on-one, or I offer group sessions as well, where I bring them through that same methodology. So I've created a methodology that I apply both to one-on-one or groups. And um, it's, been, it's been amazing to see their success. All of my clients are interviewing and many, most of them were found through LinkedIn, through their comments or their reach outs, other conversations that, and some of them are actually creating their own opportunities by crafting a job by showing how they are able to solve problems for organizations. So that's been really cool too. Well, that's powerful. You're changing the world one person at a time. I think you're <laughs> building like me. I, I want to build a bunch of storytellers, people that can find that story, that passion so they can present, be on stage, whatever it is that they want to do. And it, I'm thankful for the connection that the text planning hit, you know, hit home it with hit. you. You never, you never know what, what is yeah, going no, to land it hit, with people. It hit good. And, uh, oh, so, other place, I want to say, you can also find me at PortfolioRocket.com. All right, there. And I love the name of that. The rocket, the whole thing has a whole whole, whole thing on. That's just exciting. It's, you know, everybody wants to be a rocket scientist. Right. <laughs> Lauren, thanks a lot. Good luck. And you're doing great things with people. Keep up the good work. Thank thanks. You. Thanks for coming by. Thanks so much, Doug. It was great. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tech Story Podcast. And it would really be helpful if you'd go out to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast and rate it. You know, give it a five-star because it helps other people find the podcast. It really raises the visibility. It would mean the world to me if you would do that. <laughs> <laughs>